Welcome to the LifeWay Student Ministry Podcast. I'm Ben Trueblood alongside John Paul Basham. Yo. And producer Nathan making everything happen with the recordings and such. Nathan, you going to give us a little little something today? Hey, what's up, everybody? There we go. I like it. Uh, We're super excited to spend this episode with you. If you haven't left a rating and review uh, and you listen to this podcast a lot, then you know what's about to happen for the next 15 seconds or so. It's where I ask for you to give stars and words. It helps people find the podcast. It helps us know what you think about it. So please go do that. It takes about 30 seconds to do the whole thing. Uh, So spend 30 seconds of your time uh, doing that rating review, we sure would appreciate it. Uh, we have a episode today that I think is going to be really, really helpful uh, for you, the listener, student ministry leaders. So um, I'll set it up this way. If we kind of take the approach of like beginning with the end in mind here, let me lay out for you what we're gonna what we're gonna hit with our special guest today. Uh, you know, on the podcast, we talk a lot about how a student ministry must fall under and in line with the overall vision and mission that the senior pastor has set out for the church. So we're going to talk to uh, a student pastor today that is doing a great job with that, um, as well as some specific implementation things that that our guest does in his ministry. So uh, I'm super excited to introduce to you Will Moore, who's the student pastor at Long Hollow Baptist Church. Uh, just north of Nashville in Hendersonville. So like full disclosure, Will and I are probably like 15 minutes away from each other right now, sitting in our, in our maybe less than that, because you're at the office and I'm just I'm down the, the road. Uh, I, I think I can see you from here, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but we are, uh, we are on, we are safely recording via video. Uh, so like I mentioned, Will's the student pastor at Long Hollow. Will, how long have you been at Long Hollow in total? Because I know you've, you started out not as the lead student pastor. Uh, we're at one of the campuses and kind of gone in from there. Yeah. So I'll be eight years officially. February 18th will be eight years. Nice. Eight years, man. That's a big deal. It, it's, a, it's a big deal. I mean, I said we wanted longevity wherever we went. And so it's an honor to be here and be a part of this ministry in this church. So, yeah, crazy that I've been here eight years already. It's nuts. That's amazing. Uh, we have... Uh, We have a few questions we want to ask you. This would be like the get to know you part of this, Uh, just to get everybody a little bit of insight into who Will is. Uh, But I I know you mentioned your wife just a second ago. Um, Tell us a little bit before we get into the specific questions, just about uh, family and, and who you are. Yeah. So I always tell people my wife is my hero. Uh, she is one of the hardest working, most uh, probably the highest capacity leader I've ever been around. So I contribute a lot of my leadership to her. Um, she is uh, she works in the anesthesia field uh, here in the hospitals in Nashville. And so, um, man, she's always been my hero. And I always say uh, she's a boss, but everybody says she's my boss. And I wouldn't disagree with that either. Uh, and if you've <laughs> met her, you would say amen. Uh, but then we just had a uh, we call her a little miracle baby, uh, Willow Joy, who will be 17 months next week on the 10th. And uh, she was an IVF baby, went through a, a crazy journey of infertility, mm-hmm. and God was great and, and good through that journey. And so now she is she is lively and active, uh, and she is a lot of fun. So, yeah, that's my fam. Uh, I told Nathan, I said, we're living in an apartment right now because we're in the middle of a home build. So we got a 17-month-old with in between – we're in the second floor. So the third floor and the bottom floor, we're getting the, uh, the brooms on the ceiling. So it's a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> Keeping things active for you. I like it. 
Uh, all right. Uh, personality type. Man, I am. This Enneagram thing has been so good for me. Uh, one, to understand why <laughs> why I'm so emotional sometimes, but also to study my team. But I'm a three on the Enneagram. So I'm the achiever. Um, words of affirmation is my love language. And so if, if I'm if I'm rocking and rolling with nobody saying anything, I'm going to go down in a hurry, fellas. So, yeah. So my personality type is is a three. And I'm a uh, words of affirmation. So I need a little bit of a, you know, kick in the in the rear, but also a little tap, pat on the back, too, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, that's good. So you mentioned uh, w- w- we can dive in just a little bit here. You mentioned uh, using it to get to know uh, your team some, too. You want to mention a couple things about how you do that? Yeah. So, you know, I read a, a, a book, a mentor of mine, Jeff Borton, that you guys are familiar with, had me read The One Minute Manager uh, and that that book is all about personality types and leadership and different things on how to understand your team. And uh, some of the greatest advice I was given through college, my college baseball coach said, you can't coach every player the same. You have to know your players. So it's kind of that mentality where that book helped me understand how to identify with personality types. But the Enneagram brought that to light even more, because if you understand where your your team is on the Enneagram, then you know how to lead them better. So then you can better bring that concept to light. Uh, by identifying your players and leading your players specifically and individually, because you can't lead your team the same way uh, because some people feel micromanaged and some people need to be micromanaged, you know, but even though you may not micromanage them, but you lead them based upon the personality type. So it's been a game changer for us and honestly team unity um, because our team understands if, you know, if Will's a little emotional today, they know he's a three. It's okay. You know, so it's been really good. <laughs> I like it. Uh, favorite moment in student ministry. It, and oh. you can, it doesn't have to be like a ranked system here, but what is a favorite moment that stands out to you? Oh, hands down. I came straight out of seminary. I don't know what David Landreth was thinking, but, uh, I had no clue, but David Landreth, Jeff Lovengood and Brian Mills, uh, they, they brought me on staff, had no ministry experience whatsoever. And they put me at our Madison campus at the time we had five campuses. And, uh, it was, a, it, I started with seven students and they were all, um, Caucasian. They were all kind of that, that middle-class kind of a homeschool environment. And then the Lord just, uh, opened doors for me to serve in schools and uh, I volunteer coach to have my hand in everything, but their ministry grew significantly, significantly in a year and a half's time. Uh, but it went from seven students to uh, a little over uh, hundreds or so students, but it went to 95% inner city, African-American, Hispanic. Mm-hmm. Um, and y'all, we saw life change happen like I've never seen it before. And it was like, I knew every student's name. I knew every student's story. We saw cultural barriers broken down. I saw kids that whose family and culture gave up on them and they became doctors. They became uh, uh, pilots. They, I mean, it was just an incredible incredible experience to see um, young men come up to me and say, I was told not to trust you because you're a white man, uh, but I can't help but trust you and love you because you're doing things and you're showing me things I've never seen before. So that was definitely the highlight. That was early on. So I made a lot of failures. I learned a lot. Thankfully, I had great leaders that pushed me. But dude, I will always go back to my first year and a half in ministry. It was a blast. Man, what a cool story. It's a, yeah, you talk about eight years, man. God's done a lot in eight years. And Amy and I are still, we, I don't know, we drive to church every once in a while and just like look at each other like, are we really doing this? Because, Mm. um, you know, I said longevity in the beginning, but it's never been about a title or a job. I just wanted to love and serve people where I was. And, and God just, he's done everything. It's not, I haven't done 
honestly nothing y'all i've just been obedient and god's been faith, faithful so it's a lot of fun what about uh dream vacation oh gosh dream vacation i want to go to i want to go to greece i don't even know what i do there i just i just want to go to greece and um that that's kind of been on our bucket list for for a while but with a 16 month old we probably won't ever get there y'all <laughs> at least not not in the next couple of months anyway maybe 18 that's right that's right uh favorite hobby oh i'm a woodworker i, I grew up watching my granddad do a lot of woodworking so me and um our um online campus pastor andrew bolton and i uh we actually started a com- company if you call it that a couple years ago called bolton moore very original andrew bolton and will moore but we <laughs> like to build tables a lot of different stuff so i love woodworking that's awesome. How did you get started in that? Uh, honestly, I, just growing up watching my granddad, I loved it. But then Andrew uh, has always been incredible. He used to build houses. He's done a little bit of everything. But he started building. Then he and I came together and started doing it for a little extra income. And we kind of do it as a ministry, too. And so about seven years ago, we started building together. That's cool. I like it. I feel like houses is another level of woodworking. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm not. That's not my level, fellas. I'm. I know my. I know my my levels, and uh, I'm gonna stay with just putting some tables together and building a little coffee table, uh, little coffee table, little end table, and maybe a chalkboard or two every once. In a while. Man, I've seen your stuff, and it's really, really nice. You I appreciate it. It's fun. It was not. It was fun until it became an actual job, and so my my days, my Sabbath day on Friday became sixteen hour days working in the wood shop. So. Those days are gone, <laughs> man. I've uh, I've heard similar things uh, about people that are like really. There's somebody here um, who's really, really good at smoking meats, like phenomenally good at it. Mm-hmm. And I asked him one time, I was like, "Man, is this something you'd ever consider doing full time?" And his answer was very similar to that. He was like, "No, because then it won't be fun anymore." Yep, like, exactly. Because then. It's 16 hour days every day smoking all that stuff. And so uh, you, you've got to to go from hobby to full time job. It's a big it's a big transition. Yep. Uh, I, I'm the same boat. I quit selling stuff and just do it for my wife. There you, there you go. Job too. <laughs> uh, last one before we jump into the uh, regular content here that I previewed at the beginning. What's one piece of advice you would give to other student pastors? I'll be honest, like my uh, probably 10 months ago, this would have been different. But now through this season, uh, I'm real big on capital C church anyway. And just how do you link arms with the churches, regardless of denominations or whatever. Uh, But I would say the greatest advice I would give anybody in ministry, not just student ministry, is collaboration is greater than comparison. Hmm. So how can you collaborate together instead of looking at everybody and going, well, I'll never be those people or never have those resources or I can do it better. However you, however you view comparison, but collaboration is greater than comparison is what I'd give. Solid. I like it. So here we, here we're, we're diving into the uh, main stuff now. Thanks for doing the the five get to know you lightning round questions there. Um, so you serve at Long Hollow as the lead student pastor there. Uh, and some some may be familiar with uh, your senior pastor, Robbie Gallaty, um, who is a big time discipleship guy, has a ministry strategy, has written on this ministry strategy, has replicate ministries where trains other churches on that discipleship strategy and all that, uh, which 
people can go and find out information on him and replicate and all those things. The specific thing I would love for us to talk about is how you as a student pastor take the vision and the mission of the senior pastor and make sure that that is implemented in everything that you do. Because that is, like I mentioned earlier, that is something that we talk about a lot here and that that needs to be aligned, that that the student ministry can't, uh, unfortunately, often does go rogue in some instance in some instances, but shouldn't really be doing that, should be tied in directly. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's where a lot of student ministries mess up and they wonder why they're in the boat they're in or they don't have the support that they've got. You know, I've talked to several student pastors and they go, man, my senior pastor just isn't bought in to next gen ministries. And my question is, well, are you bought into him? Mm-hmm. And that that's huge, y'all, because if we don't first, if we don't understand the vision, so there is an upper leadership. I think Robbie's been really good. Pastors been really good with casting vision from the top down for us. So we understand for us, we filter everything through what's called the discipleship pathway. Right. That that's been our internal vision for a while. It is external and our members know about it. But for us, uh, know God, find community, make disciples and change the world is our filtration system to make his vision come to life, meaning we don't do anything that isn't an on-ramp to those things. And so we we filter through, uh, do we do this dodgeball event? Do we do this uh, off-site ministry event? Do we do an on-site ministry event? And if they, if they don't fit within those four quadrants, we just don't do them. And so for us, we want to help bring to life um, people growing in a relationship with Jesus by utilizing that pathway, which is the vision of our pastor. And so in student ministry, um, mm-hmm. while we're doing that, pastor is all in for what we're doing mm-hmm. because he understands on a Wednesday night, we're not just going to have an event that draws a lot of students here, our program rather, but we're going to provide opportunity for them to make a decision to, do you need to be discipled and be in a discipleship group? Do you need to find community and be in a life group? Uh, do you want to be mobilized to go on mission or to serve or be a part of our leadership team, um, et cetera? And so um, man, I'm be honest, like it's been really good for me because even when I was at a campus, knowing the vision, it was real easy for me to just go and do my own thing, create my own identity at another campus, right? I always tell our team, take the vision, put your thumbprint on that vision, but don't change the don't change the vision. You still need to fall in line with pastor's vision and then how you bring that to life is up to you. So you mentioned four things really quickly there. I would love for you to go back and hit those one more time for people to kind of hear the pathway that you're, that you're using. Yeah. So it's know God, find community, make disciples and change the world. If I were to break those down, know God is that corporate worship, that 30,000 foot view where it's an outreach. It's know God is for students that don't know Jesus. So we want to help them grow in their relationship with Jesus uh, by stepping into a saving relationship with him. But it's also, I think churches miss it, especially in student ministry, no God is always outreach, 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 and you never focus on the ones that are actually sitting in your seat faithfully every week. So no God is also helping them grow and mature in the relationship. So that's no God. That's a corporate gathering, uh, communal worship. Uh, fine community is life groups, or life groups li- uh, small groups, Sunday school, whatever you call it, where we want to help students find community by putting them in a, uh, in a group with a leader. Uh, because based upon y'all study, we 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 bring this putting at least three to five influential adults in a student's life, and, and some of those leaders come on a in a life group, find community setting, um, and then the third one, make disciples. That's just D groups. That's where we put uh, three to five students with one leader that is a closed group and it's gender specific, and they meet for a school year. So April uh, to May, they're off when school is off. They're on when school is on, and then. Uh, 
a change the world is that's your serving aspect. So that's missions, that's community uh, service projects, that's leadership development, et cetera. And you mentioned when you guys do your planning that you match the, you match what you do up specifically to each one of those four. Like it doesn't happen unless you like, Hey, dodgeball is going to check the boxes on this part of the pathway. Right. Right. Yeah. So like dodgeball is a great example. Cause I think it's one of the things we, we, we consider every time nothing we do doesn't have a purpose. If it exists without a purpose and it doesn't exist anymore. And so for us is no God, that's a dodgeball event because you're providing an opportunity for someone to know God, to step into a relationship with Jesus or to grow in their relationship with Jesus. Cause like we've cut out, I mean, for our church, we have a facility where we can offer different things to happen and we can have something every day of the year and so we've cut some really hard things out because between the, the practices and the games and the choir concerts and all the stuff that we're already doing every single day after most people go home, you know, they go home at four or five o'clock. We're headed out at four or five o'clock in the afternoon to go to these things where we've had to say, say no to some, you know, to some banquets and to some um, late night events on a Friday night and stuff like that. And so that's that really helps you filter that because it's hard to say no. But if it doesn't fit, fit in that pathway it's a lot easier to say no. What are some things that you're measuring to make sure that students are moving along that pathway to make sure that, uh, that those things are effective for you? Yeah. So we our our, our scorecard, if you will, is life change. I know life change is a very vague statement. What does life change look like? We're monitoring life change in those four quadrants by obviously we, you need to know how many students are we having on a regular basis between online uh, and in person. And so we monitor, uh, you know, how many do we have? What's the retention rate based upon first time guests coming back the second time? Um, and so we, we, we monitor that for our no God. Uh, but then we also kind of do the same thing with our fine community. So how many students percentage wise are coming on a Wednesday night and how many of them are coming and actually implementing into or implemented into a life group? So fine community. So there's a percentage there. And then from that percentage, uh, how many are in the discipleship group? And then overall, my gauge of success really goes into the the change the world aspect of our of our pathway because if you only focus on on the number of a of a how many are coming in attendance, and you don't really focus on the actual boots on the ground life change happening as they go and be the church, then your success in numbers doesn't really matter. And, you know what I'm saying? You can run. 300 students, 500 students, 1,200 students. But if they're not mobilized and they're not going and being the hands and feet of Jesus without you having to tell them, then then are you really accomplishing what you want to accomplish? Because I would rather have 100 students. I'd rather have 50 students. I'd rather go back to my seven and know that they are 100% legitimately changing the world than to say, I've got however many you want to say, and that makes you feel better, <laughs> uh, and, and them not doing anything. Yeah. Man, that's so good. And and at, at the same time, you know, I think the things that you guys count in attendance lend themselves toward being able to have students that are out there changing the world actually be something that you're measuring. Right. Because early on when Robbie came, he completely flipped upside down the way Long Hollow was counting attendance. Right. And it was just, right. hey, we're not just going to count programming in, programming anymore. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but we're going to count the people that are in those D groups that you mentioned. And yeah, so it's right. now 
now what matters is that you're showing up to the places where you can legitimately learn and be in community so that you can grow to become somebody that can change the world. Would you say that's right? Yeah, that's right. And we did that in the past too, but it wasn't a, it wasn't spotlighted as much as it is now. And so we would always say, um, we'd always say that we were discipling along the way, but what Robbie did was Robbie brought in a brand new way of rethinking discipleship and really to put a bigger emphasis on that. So the way I lead my team is we, we say this all the time. I say evangelism and discipleship coexist. You can't lean one way or the other. And I know people argue that all day long. I'm not, that's not my, my intent, but I believe as pastors and ministers of the gospel, especially with middle and high school students, we have to say that evangelism and discipleship coexist because if you're not equally pulling in one way or the other, then you're going to lend yourself to really heavy evangelism and numbers driven and whatever. Or we've seen this too here in Robbie pastor would say this. If you go all the way to discipleship, then you lose the outreach and you lose the growth aspect um, from bringing people in their retention. So man, no, no argument here on evangelism and d- discipleship being two sides of that same conversation. And I think that's the cool piece of the way that you disciple someone, the way that you lead someone in understanding what it means for them to be in, uh, be in real ownership of their faith, is that as a disciple, uh, or rather as a disciple maker, one of your main responsibilities is to be someone who is looking for those evangelistic opportunities that you're not going to make disciples until you go out and find those people to walk that journey with. Right. And so, man, that's one of the, that's one of those cool pieces that I think you guys are doing so well. You have, you hold that in such a healthy tension. I point people to the long hollow model all the time when somebody asks, how do I really incorporate discipleship? How do I really challenge my students to be duplicating themselves in other students? Man, I point them to long hollow all the time. Um, one of the cool things. And we're still growing too, John Paul. I I think, and that's the thing. Yeah. we, We have learned a lot. But even that, like, we're still learning what this looks like. And I think sure. the biggest thing that we've learned is y- you can you can have a philosophy and you can have a strategy, but you also have to be willing to to adjust that. And we've learned that with students specifically in our D group model, because you can't just plug and play everything. It's got to fit. It's got to fit your culture. It's got to fit um, your DNA. And it has to make sense. And it has to be able to be done. Right. Yeah. And so that's one thing that we have learned. We've made a lot of mistakes along the way, too. So before I know, before John Paul, you asked that next question, let's give a little bit of definition in case somebody's listening and they're not familiar with the term D group in general. Uh, so talk about how you guys specifically define that D group and how you implement that. Yeah. So a D group is, is just an abbreviation of discipleship group. Um, discipleship for us is how are we seeing students grow in their relationship with Jesus, but then replicating what they're learning uh, and that's where the evangelism and discipleship piece comes together. Then they, they're sitting in a group um, of three to five, gender specific, with a leader that is investing in them with a consistent day of the week. So for an example, when Chick-fil-A, you could actually go into Chick-fil-A, uh, Lord help us pandemic. Um, we would, any, any day of the week, you could walk in and you could see a group of students, uh, whether it was ours or other churches. Um, you know, I've seen... Several churches in our community uh, have groups of students in Chick-fil-A, McDonald's, Starbucks, et cetera, and they're meeting at 630 in the morning. 
and every single day it's consistent and they're 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 walking through the bible is the main resource so we're not supplementing it you can supplement it with like um a an additional read or something but we want the bible because remember we're teaching them discipleship we want to we want to bring in the scripture so they're reading the same thing every day and they're journaling about the same thing every day and then they're discussing it weekly together and they're memorizing scripture together and then they're challenged to go and share what they're learning with other people as well so that's a d group in a nutshell and you guys do that specifically through a Bible study method that Robbie developed, right? The HEAR method. Yes. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, the HEAR method is um, simply um, highlight, explain, apply, um, and uh, wow, guys, I just blanked on the R. Respond. Respond. Help me. Glad I'm not <laughs> teaching this to anybody today. Uh, yeah, the response. So basically the highlight is what's one verse that stood out to you through your reading throughout the week or throughout that day. Um, and then you're going to you're going to rewrite it. Right. You're going to highlight it, summarize it in your own words. Uh, then you're going to explain it uh, by, hey, here's what I learned. Here's the context of what I just wrote down. Uh, then the apply is all right, how am I, it's very simple. How am I going to apply this today or how am I going to apply this into my life? And then the respond uh, is your prayer. So you basically write out a prayer in response to what I've highlighted, explained, and applied. This is what I am going to ask the Lord to help me do. And it's been a game changer for me. And that's why I love foundations because foundations, y'all, has been a tool. My, I don't do this to every group because I, I wind up getting real expensive. But I would buy the foundations book for my group uh, as their leader so they could run because it's all in there. That's what I love about foundations. It summarizes um, what you're about to read. And then actually for the students has the, the here journal below the summary so they can actually write it in um, with them and they can carry it around with them as well. And so uh, Will mentioned Foundations. Foundations is a resource that actually Long Hollow was doing uh, before Lifeway came along in partnership with them, um, but that we've released several versions of at this point. And so there's, you can go all the way through scripture. You can go all the way through the Old Testament, all the way through the New Testament. There's a a girls, a teen girls specific version that came out. We're working on a women's uh, foundation that's uh, soon to be released. And so there's a there's a bunch of versions of this for you to walk your people through. What what I really love about it, and what I think um, you guys continue to hit on is that it's a a simple tool that doesn't require somebody learning this whole. I mean, to learn the here method is so simple. Highlight, explain, apply, respond. There there aren't you know you don't need a pack of fourteen different colored markers. You know, <laughs> you don't have to know what the triangle. Yeah, there's, there's not like a, all been there. put a triangle here and a square here and a circle here, and uh, although th there's nothing wrong with those systems, inductive Bible study is really strong. But sometimes you just need for a group of students to be able to say, hey, this is real simple. We're going to get together and we're going to study the Bible. And I'm going to give you four prompts for you just to dig in and be able to say, this is what I understand from this scripture and have conversation around it together. Right. And, and I think I think to your point, I think for student ministry, y'all, if we can just get, here's what I'm telling our team is keep it simple, stupid. If I'm allowed to say stupid on this podcast, keep it <laughs> like we overcomplicate thing, complicate things so 
much. Craig Rochelle says all the time that complexity hinders growth, right? And growth brings upon complexity. But if you make things complicated, then your people are, if it's complicated to you, then what are your people going to take from it? And so for us, we're trying to get, get back to the basics. Why give a student that's trying to learn that honestly probably doesn't know the books of the Bible anyway. And that's a big, that probably that's is 100% our fault as leaders. But if they don't even know the books of the Bible yet, how in the world are they going to know to bring 15 markers? And, and those things are great. I've done it. It's been great. But how can we keep it simple? And that's what foundations has done for our students where they don't feel like I have to do all of these things. No, I can carry this. I can open it up. And out of a five day of set five days out of a seven day week, I can I can legitimately open up God's word and read it and write about it and potentially even learn something from it and retain it. Keep so it you simple. mentioned. Yeah. You mentioned earlier, uh, everybody's re and this is one of the strengths of this kind of, of using foundations or something like it, but everybody's reading the same thing. Everybody's journaling the same thing, memorizing scripture together, uh, and has, man, you've got people running on a track in community with each other doing this. What are some wins that you've seen come from this approach in ministry? Oh, I, I 100%. Uh, our entire church is doing this. So whether you're doing the, the New Testament F260 or you're doing the, the regular F260, which walks through the grand narrative of scripture uh, from Old Testament, and New Testament, like our people talk about the same thing all the time. And students, whether it's not a, well, what are you reading today? Oh, well, I'm reading over here and this, they're all talking about the same thing. So it, it's really, it, it's really interesting to sit and listen uh, to a group of students talk. Now, Hold on a second. I'm not sitting here saying that all of my students are sitting around talking about the Bible 24-7. Let's be real. <laughs> so don't if that's what you heard just now, that's not what I'm saying. Long Hall is the perfect student ministry. Uh, no. <laughs> what, what, but what I am saying is it is cool. At times we can overhear students or pockets of students discussing what they've read and it's the same thing. But here's what I love about it is what they read individually, collectively in their groups, they take away something that's totally different. It, it, it broadens their view and the perspective of scripture because what each of you uh, three guys read and comprehend and take out is going to be different than what I do. And so it brings yeah. the scripture to life from different perspectives. And every single time somebody will go, oh, wow, I didn't see that. And y'all, yeah. that right there is is really cool. And so you bring in the parental piece if mom, dad are in a D group and they're listening and they're learning and they're reading the same thing, then guess what? Guess what that dinner table time looks like if we actually put our phones up and have family time, right? Is they're discussing the same things again in our entire church and our entire student ministries and our families are not shotgunning all these different Bible stories and things. They're listening and they're learning from the same stuff and discussing the same things. Yeah. And that's so healthy. And that goes Man, back to question one. That's Robbie's vision. Yeah. Yeah. John Paul mentioned something earlier, and that is uh, a shift that you guys made in approach to ministry. Um, I, I would love for you to give like a couple things that you learned in being a part of a staff team that said, hey, we're going to shift our approach to ministry and what we measure and the things that we call important. Now, I, having I've been here. Uh, in this area for eight years as well. And so I've, I've gotten to see and have known people on it, it before and after the shift and amazing ministry on yeah. both sides of that. And so like, I think it's important to state 
incredible God used ministry and people on both sides of that, but just no a shift in approach. Like, Hey, we're, we need to shift some things, uh, in, in how we operate and what we measure, but that can sometimes, uh, take a lot of work, a lot of vision casting, sometimes walking through some pain and getting people to embrace a new way to do things. So I would love from a student ministry perspective for you to say, Hey, here are some things I've learned from being a part of shifting approach. Yeah. I think it's good the way you set it up because it, it can very easily be taken as one was right and one was wrong. Right. And that's what people do is sometimes they hear a conversation about two different approaches and go, Oh, well, what they used to do didn't work or wasn't the right way. And what they're doing now is the right way. And what I love about what Pastor has done and what we have done and with what I like to tell people is I believe I've sat under the best leadership that you could possibly sit under. And I have as a leader, and I believe the reason I'm in the position I'm in now is because I've had the privilege and the honor of sitting under both of those uh, mm. philosophies, both of those strategies, if you will. Because I've seen the best of the best when it comes to evangelism, and I've seen the best of the best with discipleship. And that has shaped me and grown me individually as a leader to understand and to have that passion where I can tell my team, we're going to have evangelism and discipleship, and they're going to do the same thing at the same time. Um, because of this switch and this shift from a massive evangelistic approach to more of a discipleship approach. Um, it, it, you know, it happened. Our pastor passed away uh, five years ago this past November, uh, November 18th. And, um, you know, one of the, one of the greatest, um, you know, preachers of the word and just passionate uh, about the gospel and evangelism and seeing lives change. And that's the reason I always say life change further than life changes because of, of David Landreth. And his heart was to reach as many people as possible for the glory of God. He never wanted Long Hollow to be what it is today. Um, his son, Sam, actually said he had contemplated, I can say this now, but he had contemplated even leaving Long Hollow because he, he wanted to go back to 150 people because his hmm. heart was never to grow. But God used him so much that the gospel came to life in such a way that people just came. And, and mm. you know, it's funny. He always said people wanted to write a book and he'd go, what, is I, what am I going to write? God did it. The end. You know, that was his story. <laughs> um, but, then, but then, but then Pastor Robbie comes in and he goes, you know what? I think we could bring to life this discipleship aspect. We're already great at reaching people and evangelism, doing these things. How are we, how are we going to take that, those people that God has been so gracious to hand us and how are we going to walk alongside them through life so that they can, so they can grow in their relationship with Jesus and then properly go and share their faith with other people. Cause what I think I learned from me, this is my, my take on what the question is. Me as a young leader, um, I did have the privilege of sitting under a ministry that grew from seven to 150 in a little over a year. Um, and I only say that to say this, not, it's not about the number. It's about this. Y'all I was running nonstop 60, 70 yeah. hours a week, brand new, uh, newlywed. And I woke up year four and I was going, wow, do I still want to do this? Is this really what I want to do with my life? Um, my wife was only a new believer. She had, you know, she was an atheist. So she's 28. We got married when she was 30. So she was still mm. new for her too. Um, and we, we were tired. We were exhausted because we were solely focused on go, 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 reach, 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 reach. Um, but then when pastor comes in and he shows me the discipleship way is, hey, you can do that, but you also have to have a balance. Because if you reach people and then you never teach them and develop them, again, this is me personally as a leader, but I never develop them or walk alongside them, i.e. disciple them, then 
is that really benefiting the kingdom or are you just growing a ministry? Because I think sometimes we can use the term evangelism, quote unquote evangelism, as prideful people as a tool to grow our room and to grow our ministry. Yeah. What discipleship has done for me is it's humbled me. And it said, okay, yeah, you want to grow. You want to be passionate about reaching people and growing. But if they're not actually growing in their faith and their depth, then have you really accomplished anything for my sake? And and that's really what the shift has done for me personally, is it's given me two great perspectives of discipleship and evangelism, working together for the greater purpose of growing the kingdom, not growing LH students. Man, that's so good. And I, man, 100% resonate with, with what you're saying. I think it's so easy for student pastors to fall into that, um, ministry, ministry growth. That's not at least a hundred percent of the time growth for the Lord and his kingdom, but often growth for our own ego. Right. Um, so you know we we feel good about our ministry and our accomplishments, quote for the gospel. When we can say, "Oh man, we grew by twenty five more students this month," or that event, you know, year over year had fifty more students at it, and and I'm doing X amount of small groups because of it. Right. And I think and one of the things that was highlighted with COVID too that all right. of a sudden. You can't do all of this programming. And so now it became really, really obvious how many true discipleship, life on life kind of relationships student pastors have with their students. And I think there were a lot of student pastors left sitting on their hands when there weren't the kind of, you know, kingdom building relationships that they thought they had in place. Right. Relational ministry 101 is what COVID showed us. Yeah. And one of the things I wanted to say this, one of the things the Lord has given me here lately, um, I don't know, maybe we can link up and do something with this, but uh, is this reminder of gospel over growth. It's gospel over growth. If you're presenting the gospel, whether that's a series that you're preaching on a Wednesday or that's intentional um, discipleship, personal discipleship, if you value gospel over growth, then, then that keeps your perspective in the right way. Yeah. Uh, and that's been a humbling word that God has given me uh, through COVID. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Well, I want to thank you for taking time uh, pour into us today, pour into audience, to the audience today. Uh, thanks for the wisdom. Thanks for, uh, for spending the time with us, man. Really appreciate Absolutely. it. Well, I, I'm thankful and super honored um, to even be on this. You guys have, uh, man, it's been a huge blessing to me personally from a young pastor, um, you know, eight years ago, uh, and to somebody that still has got a long ways to go. I can't thank Lifeway and LA, or LA students, Lifeway students, uh, man, for what y'all are doing and what you're, what you're producing and, and y'all's intentionality, man, you guys are rock stars. I'm super grateful. Ma'am, thank you for that. I know, uh, Will is involved and, and has a heart to help other student pastors, a great deal. Um, so he, he speaks in various places and pours into student pastors in that way. Uh, so if you want to get in touch with Will, I know that he, uh, you know, if you give him a little time, he'll get back with you. Uh, Please. But, but um, is one of those people in student ministry that wants to help other student pastors. So Will, what's a way uh, that people can get in touch with you if they want to do that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, one of the I've had several um, several people reach out just DM on social right now. It's just my Instagram is at Will Moore twenty one. That's Will with one L. 
uh, W-I-L-M-O-O-R-E 21. Uh, that's Instagram. I don't do Twitter, fellas, so your, my notifications never goes off on that one. But you can do that. Um, you can email me. It's it's will.more at longhollow.com. Uh, and honestly, I don't mind. Uh, y'all may say I'm stupid for doing this, but my, my cell number, my personal number is uh, 870-208-3759. <laughs> I have no problem giving you my number. Y'all can text me. Uh, but like Ben said, give me some time because um, my phone's a little busy right now. Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, Will, thank you again. And uh, man, I'm I'm telling you the truth. He cares about student ministry, cares about student pastors. And uh, I'm thankful for that in you, Will. This has been another episode of the LifeWay Student Ministry Podcast. We'll see you next time. <laughs>